The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. As always, I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me, Trevor Trahan, editor in the hot seat. Harry's in the hot seat at the moment, isn't he? But we'll come on to that later. Going to kick off with you, uh, a curtailed round nine. Um, As we talked about last week, the uh, first Melbourne derby was moved to to allow the AFL grand final to take place... uh, unmolested um but now we've got that now we've got that egg chasing out of the way we can get back to the real football um but there were four games that did go ahead kicked off with uh gold coast uh again wellington phoenix wellington phoenix home. lose away i had a real feeling that they were going to nick that so um I, so I had a little had a little flutter on them but thankfully i had a flutter on eiffel to score so why, uh, why wouldn't he score as well yeah you know why wouldn't he score it's well paul exactly. it's, paul, it's our paul eiffel um but gold coast ran out Three one winners. Uh, the game was really sort of defined by two very good finishes from Bruce Chitte. Yeah, I, I love those inside flick finishes. A little that, yeah, post, yeah. When you get it right, because you know they look great. I've um, done one of them myself. Oh yeah. Like not like not in a full like in a sort of university <laughs> house game versus an. And I always yeah. wanted to do it in a proper match, but even still, when I did it in this game, I still careered off to the corner flag. Yeah, just kept running. Yeah, the there was no one watching. There was, no one even cared, but no, I so knew what I'd done. Exactly. Well, it keeps the, uh, catches the keeper unaware, doesn't it? Because yeah. they're, they're all they're setting but it's themselves. It's through aren't the keeper, isn't it? Yeah, he, he, yeah. It was pretty much straight at him, but it's the yeah. last thing you expect when the ball's coming from that angle. Exactly. So. It made me think of the Jermaine Defoe feature that's in the the current issue, where he talks about striking, and he says one of the things he does is that he hits it early, he hits yeah, it in the keeper, because yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he says that a keeper has a second where they bounce on the spot to set themselves, yeah. and then they spring into it. So it's if you get your shot in earlier, they haven't got the yeah. chance to do that, and that's well, pretty much what happened. Well, to be fair, Jite did that for his first goal. Didn't yeah. he? He's, he had two quick touches. He, he got the first touch under control, and he pushed it out of his feet, mm. and his, he, his shot came so quickly after that second touch, and he went across the keeper, Yeah, which is exactly that. You know, and that, that's, I, I guess maybe you know that's a sign that he's... He's gone away and sort of learned a bit, and refined his technique a bit, and has probably played with better players. And or he's read that piece. In our or he's magazine. read that piece in the magazine. <laughs> it's already having a little effect. Um, but I think again that that probably is the sort of thing that you do learn when you go away and you play at yep. a slightly higher level, even in training. If you're finding that you're taking three touches means that you you're going to get you're going to get tackled mm. in training. They, they'll start to learn to take the ball earlier, yeah. get rid of it earlier, and I think we've probably seen the benefit of that. So we did talk about it being uh, you know, a big period for Bruce Jitte coming back to the A-League, and you'd have to say with a goal against Sydney FC, another two there, he's sort of taking the, his opportunity, which is good to see. Yeah. Disappointingly, no red cards. Um, obviously, I, I was did keeping back an eye on that. <laughs> I did back it, but it didn't come in. Um, Central Coast Mariners, oh. Saturday. Uh, I've got to say, it was a cracking weekend football, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, this game in particular, and, and the timing of this game, because um, you know, I think a, a lot of us had, had watched our one AFL game for the year. Yeah. And you know, for this to come on, it's obviously a lot more low key, and it, it was and a lot one closer, of, yeah, and a lot more entertaining. Yeah, and it was it was one of the best A League games I've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, it had everything, didn't it? The penalties, the own goals, the you know, the scoreline swinging. McBreen, I'd like to talk about for a minute, had an incredible game because he missed a series of sitters yeah. only to score one of the best own goals <laughs> I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I love kneeing it while you're on the floor into the top corner. That was the only finish he'd done because you know, he could have had 
he could have had a hat trick as they say yeah. on the day but yeah really really good you know really good game a little bit of a bust up at half time oh the striker man lost yeah. it didn't he yep absolutely <laughs> furious I must admit I did think that I mean I love him I love him but I did think it was a little bit of an overreaction so it was only half time he likes time corners and- <laughs> yeah. He wants those corners. Yeah, it's not, it's not like it's Stoke City or so. It's their only chance of scoring. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, Perez uh, did well. Scored with a penalty. Probably should have scored with the first goal. But the uh, keeper made a good save. But it bounced straight back out to, to Matt Simon. Um, just a point on the winner. Um, it was great play from McGlinchey. Yeah, oh, because he ripped him about three times, he didn't, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> but he didn't panic, you know. And he knew, obviously knew it was deep into injury time at yeah. any moment. Of it. But he didn't panic, and he didn't just try and hoof it in. He made the time. To, he went past the guy again, and and got an absolute quality ball into the box. And yeah. I, I think it was, I think it might have been Cernak on the far post who was marking, um, it's Fansvike, and he'd probably look at that again and think, oh, I should have got that. my body across. Because he sort of stood there and was waiting, and Fansvike, just a little bit of experience, I think, just changed the angle of his run and just ran across him and got the header in. But great finish, and there, 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 is, there are very few things better, I think, in football than injury time winner. No. There isn't. Yeah, no, exactly. Just... I, I think my favourite variation is away from home, last minute winner, when, when you, you probably should have lost. Oh, we'll get on to the Sydney Adelaide game anyway. That. I remember going to Highbury once, yeah. <laughs> and I was sat not in the not in the uh, North Bank, but in the stand next to it because I couldn't. I lived in London, couldn't get a Villa ticket because they used to go. And I watched the most one-sided <laughs> match. We had two shots on target. This is when Big Ron was manager, and we won two-one. Yeah, and they pummeled us. Ian Wright scored, and, they, and it was like literally when the second goal went in, I had to go up because it was like. Yeah. Went up, got chased out of there. It's worth running up the road. <laughs> like, I think Arsenal are a bit susceptible to that because I remember West Ham a few years back we were the first team to beat him with the Emirates, and I think Rob Green saved something like 22 shots. Yeah, but it feels great, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, second game was another cracker and another injury time winner, yeah. albeit in slightly different circumstances, which was uh, Perth Glory 1. Brisbane Raw 2, Reynaldo, uh, game started off at hell of a pace. Reynaldo opened the scoring in the first minute. Scott Neville uh, got one back. And then uh, it was, an, well, it's, it's put it to Visconti, but I'd probably say it was more of an own goal. Mm. Um, in the 94th minute, which saw, uh, first in the 94th saw minute. Brisbane get up. So, uh, But this, again, was a, was a, just a really good game of football. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. I'm, Perth got to be disappointed, though, aren't they? It's, it's more than a mini wobble, isn't it? They've just completely come crashing down in recent weeks yeah um, although you know you probably look at it and you'd say that game that, that they're, they're playing well they're playing good football that's an unlucky goal to concede yeah well Mitch came out and said I'm pretty happy with their efforts yeah. and how they've done and also again pro- I would say probably one of the pickups of the season uh, is Theoklatos yeah. oh he was superb again he made you know three or four absolute quality saves and you look at it from the Perth perspective if if that's a different keeper in goal, they could they could have been that sight in that game. Yeah, you know. But also Brisbane created chances. The thing I loved that it was just end to end. Yeah, you know it's great. You know that's that's what I, you know, I would like to see more of. I know that coaches have, have got a lot of pressure, but they've not got a lot of pressure. Yeah, you know, no one's going to get relegated. <laughs> you know, so let's go for it. You know, let's see a few more teams going for it. I, I, I really enjoyed that game. Um, Sydney FC. Right, finished off the round. I mean, what can you say? 
Alex Bross got away. You know, there was a period where you know they, they sort of dominated proceedings. Um, although Adelaide did always look dangerous on the break. Um, although obviously they were missing Matthew Lecky, who was away with the uh, with the young Socceroos um, in China. Uh, Shannon Cole own goal just summed up what's going on for Sydney FC. And then. You know, you couldn't write the script. Uh, Robert Cornway was playing as an emergency striker. I had to, I couldn't quite see it was. That looks like Cornway. That can't be Cornway out of front. But. I mean, that's what that's really is rubbing your nose in it, isn't it? When Robert Cornway's playing as the lone striker, beats Stefan Keller and squares for the player, one of the players from your youth team, your championship winning youth team that you've discarded. Yeah, who was brilliant. Volley's the winner. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Ramsey against Shannon Cole. All. All afternoon was, you knew what to do, just pick it up, knock it in behind Shannon Cole. He's so quick that he just runs onto it. But that, those last 15 minutes of the game, how Sydney didn't go on to win. I mean, they had the chances. But like you say, you know, Leckie didn't play. Flores and Van Dyke were both already off because of injury. Yeah. So they had Cornthwaite and, and Ramsey as their only chance of a goal. And have we got any? Have we got any feedback on Flores? Or do we know how bad that is? I, I mean, don't know about either of them. Bad. He's sort of new straight away, and, and a hamstring tear can be a. Uh, you know, one of those things that hangs around for a bit, but um, I hope not because uh, he's been a joy to watch. But I just felt, and I, I was on Twitter at the time, sort of watching this. I, I, I just felt that in that period where Sydney had a lot of pressure, their decision making was really poor. Yeah. In, that, in that, I felt that when they should have had a shot, <laughs> they were trying to be all intricate on the box, sort of a la Arsenal, you know, yeah. trying to find little one twos. And when they, you know, when there was a player overlapping clearly overlapping in acres of space the player decides to shoot from 35 yards rather than rolling him in and I was just like they just consistently seem to be making the wrong decision and I, and I guess that that comes from the pressure of needing a win so badly that certain players are are trying to effectively pass responsibility in, in that they don't want to shoot so it's like oh we'll play it off mm-hmm. whereas other players are trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and making a bad decision by being over eager to put it right and trying to score from 35 yards when the percentage ball is to play it wide and get the ball in the box mm-hmm. you know Mark Bridge sort of sums this up you know he looks like a player devoid of confidence you yeah. know and, and, and it just summed it up that header that he had six yards out unopposed couldn't even get it on target and then Adelaide go down it's almost like Adelaide went well look if you really don't want to win this game we'll yeah. go and nick it at the other end so. um, I think one of Sydney's biggest problems is that they've got fullbacks both fullbacks that can't defend like Scott Scott Jamison can cross occasionally that's the only thing he can do a couple of times he went up against Van Dyke when there were sort of loose balls in the corner every single time he was bullied off the ball and it some of his defending at time was embarrassing. So I think he's probably better in that left mid. I, I think Shannon Cole and Scott Jamison are, are both midfielders, midfielders rather than fullbacks. Playing, yeah. playing at fullback and they're, they're getting hideously exposed. You know, but certainly when you look at Sydney FC's sort of team and you look at the young lads that they let go, um, the likes of Ramsey and uh, Chris Payne, yep. you know, they both probably doing well, look at they? it and you'd probably say that you've got to question the people's judgment that let those lads go. Um mm. But anyway, the league table, uh, Adelaide, six points clear um, on 21 points. Only undefeated side. Played 9-1-6, drawn three. Brisbane have got a game in hand, so they can close that gap to, to three points. But they're Brisbane and Central Coast Mariners uh, both played eight games and are on 15. Gold Coast played 8-13. Rock bottom, Sydney FC still four, three points adrift on four points. And then you've got you know, four points separating fifth and tenth. Um, 
Leading goal scorers, Paul Eiffel, Matthew Leckie and Sergio Van Dijk on four. Jite, mm. Greenacre, Ramsey, Sturjowski and David Williams on three. Um, Interesting Adelaide, goals four. 17 goals they've scored this season. I don't know what they got last season, but I mean that was their biggest problem, wasn't it? They were playing one-up yeah, and yeah, couldn't get anywhere, couldn't so score. such yeah. a massive turnaround. All right, that's excellent. So that was that was round. Where are we at? Round nine. Yep. Review. Um, we'll be back in the second part just to uh, look at some of the news headlines that have been on the website this week on au.442.com. So join us after the break. It's time to celebrate the rebirth of the playmaker. We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mizet Özil, the standout players at the World Cup. We look at the 16 greatest playmakers of all time and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions. Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA 11. We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl and look at the Major League Soccer lessons that could save the A-League. Plus we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 442 on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Oh, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We can look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. Um, let's turn our attention to Friday night's blockbuster. Mm. First ever same city derby in the A League. Um, looks like it's pretty much sold out. I think there's a few single seats left, which would be fantastic you know, and, and exactly what we need uh, a week after the other codes finish. Yeah, thirty thousand, uh, a rectangular stadium, the Bubble Dome, Hart versus Victory. I'll be there. Trev's going to be there. God. Hungover, probably still. Oh God, yeah. From Just so we, it, it's Thursday morning when we're recording this. We've got the uh, Australian Football Awards tonight. Then, obviously, Melbourne versus Melbourne tomorrow, which Trev's going to. I'm not. And then we've got Soccer is Paraguay on Saturday night. Well, uh, originally, Triple header. Originally, I had a, a day to recover. But because of the AFL final, not allowed. I think, you know, if, if we look at this in hindsight, and we said this last last week, I think they made the right decision by moving it. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the build-up that this has got, the coverage that it's got, that the game's about to sell out and... You know, this is making headlines in mainstream papers that it wouldn't have done last week. You know, competing no. with the rugby league and the AFL. So I think the FFA, you know, they, they do cop a lot of stick, but I do think that this was the right decision. Mm. Um, and also, it, it's great that there's no other A League games taking place this weekend. So everyone, you know, all the other fans of every other A League team will be watching this game on Friday night. Exactly. So as well as it being the first sellout and the biggest crowd of the season, it should be the biggest viewing figures for Fox for the season as well. And any um, you know, Melbourne guys that haven't decided which team they want to support have to figure it out by Friday. I mean, how do you think that 30,000 will be split? I've got no idea. I, mean, that's, I, I don't know. I'd imagine... 22-8. probably think, probably... I don't know. It depends how many tickets. I suppose they're just on general sale. You can't really tell who's buying them. No. You would have to think. I mean, Melbourne have got 18,000 members. Yeah. So you'd probably think it's probably two-thirds victory, I would have thought. 20,000, 10,000, maybe. Yeah. But um, but we'll see. But but this is what the A-League needs. It definitely needs some local derbies, proper local derbies, where fans from both teams can be there in good numbers. Um, on the pitch, Trev, how do you see it going? I mean, we'll talk about that more later on but yep. yeah alright let's move on uh, you can't stop us going to the Asian Cup was the headline that I was greeted with when I woke up this morning um, 
Aidan spoke to uh, soccer Richard Garcia, uh, who was on the front foot, saying that, you know, uh, it's a FIFA date, the Asian Cup, and uh, even though it falls slap bang in the middle of the Premier League season, you know, clubs don't have a choice. Um, so he's certainly putting his hand up, uh, which is good to see. Yep, probably easier to get released from Hull in Championship than, than a relegation battle at Everton or chasing the Champions League at Galatasaray. Yeah. But, you know, I'm pleased he come out and said it. You know, someone had to, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and we're still in the dark, you know. We're not that far out from the Asian Cup, and I couldn't tell you what that squad's going to look like at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased he's come out and made these comments, and we need a decent team there. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, 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 what you call probably the Tier 1 guys of... I mean, Schwartz has said something similar, I, I believe, like this weekend, that, you know, he was, as far as he was concerned, he was going to be there. He's um, got the hump with Fulham anyway. Well, exactly, so. yeah. Probably do anything to prove a point. Yeah. Um, I, some of the other Tier 1 guys have, have tiptoed around it till now. Cahill has. Cahill sort Ooh, of tiptoed around it. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I, I suppose in one way, Everton's poor start to the season is probably a benefit for Australia mm. because... They're almost, they're, yeah, they're not going to go down. They're too good to go down. So hopefully by January, they've pulled themselves to sort of safety and mid-table and Moyes will look at it and go, well, we're not going to cha- challenge for the Champions League. We're not going to go down. Let him go. You know, let yeah, him go and lead his country. That, but, uh... I think he realises how much it means to him. And, and now you would hope, having been here with Everton on the pre-season tour and seeing it for himself, that, that Moyes has got a better appreciation of of what it means and also it's not in Australia yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's not the 24 hour flight you know it's a, it's a it's a flight that they'll do if they're playing at the further reaches in the European competition so mm. and it's not a massive format of a competition either is it no I mean although it is still two and I think it's three weeks or that but they'll you know it's not like they turn up on the eve of the first game and play you know they'll be there for a week probably yeah. beforehand so um, the other story Big story that came out was uh, was around Australia, and when we say Australia, we're talking about well the government rather than Football Federation Australia uh, have pledged sixty million dollars to, to to a variety of projects in the Caribbean, uh, and this is all around you know shoring up support for the Australian World Cup bid. Uh, John Bolt signed a deal with the local government and football officials in Jamaica over the weekend, um, and. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is the sort of thing that goes on. It, let's make this clear. This is not FFA money. This yeah. is government money that would go into overseas projects. So this isn't, you know, there was a, there was a bit of outcry. Like, oh, how, the, how can the FFA give 60 million when the A-League's struggling? It isn't their money. They don't have 60 million. You know, yeah. this is a diversion of government money um, for overseas projects that happens anyway as part of their overseas aids program and uh, overseas aid program rather than aids plural yep. um, and obviously the FFA have done a great job in convincing the government to uh, to sort of siphon some of this towards where it might help the World Cup bid so also good news really creates a lot of confusion this doesn't it and it does create confusion and it has the and whole has. of the way through the bid um, John Bowlby speaking in a current issue of the mag as well and he's saying that you know, it's it's part of the wider responsibility that they target, and you know he's making the point. Obviously, you don't target you know Europe or South America or anything. It's mainly Asia and the Caribbean islands that you well, know it's we, countries we, that need the help. Yeah, that know. we've been helping out in our you know Oceania and stuff. So we've got loads of programs like this set up. It's not coming from the FA. It's not taking money away from the A League. It's stuff that you know it's going to the greater good of, of football. So yeah. we should be pleased, not worried about it. And we were, you know, we are in. You know, we're, we're two months out. You know, two just under two months out from the big D day, so uh, 
I'm getting a bit nervous about it, to be honest. Do you, do you know what time it's going to be announced? Oh, you want to watch it's it live, be, don't you? It's going to be middle of the night, though, isn't it? It's Europe. Although, all, although, say that, obviously we'll be 11 hours by then, so might work out. Might work out all right. Might I be quite like a night thing, to be honest. Afternoon. I oh, know. Do you know what? It's going to be mid-afternoon in Europe. It'll be middle of the night here. Just pull an all-nighter. We'll let you know where we're going to be. <laughs> yeah, we might do a live event. When I say live event, <laughs> we'll tell you a pub that we're going to be at. <laughs> Talking, uh, we talked about Schwarzer earlier. Um, he's, uh, you know, again, probably, you know, normally Mark seems to be one He's not happy about this, is he? He's a straight shooter, normally. He's normally Look. one of these guys that's really, well, that's, like, yeah. you know, just does his job, very, you know, very ultimate professional. Yeah. But, you know, he's come out again and there's quotes here about the fact that, you know, he, he wants to, uh, you know, he sort of wants away and he was, he was ple- you know, surprised, pleasantly surprised to see someone like Arsenal interested in him. Yeah, so he's obviously angling for a January move. Yeah, well, he spent your career playing at Middlesbrough and Fulham. Yeah. You want to go to Arsenal, who desperately need a keeper like Schwarzer, don't they? Yeah. So I suppose Schwarzer is probably hoping that Shay Givens' agent and Mark Hughes are further in discussions and Givens looking at the Man City situation going, Joe Hart's going nowhere, because that seemed to be the deal-breaker, was that if Hughes could be reunited with Given at Fulham, then Schwarzer would be allowed to leave. But then you sort of look at it and think, well, if Given's available, would Wenger go after Given rather than Schwarzer? Yeah, exactly. A little bit of a triangle there. Um, but, you know, I hope he does get his move because I think he's, uh, you know, he's served full and well and it would be great for, from an Australian's perspective to see one of uh, one of the Socceroos playing in the Champions League and the latter stages of the Champions League. Yep. Um, one of the big sagas in football, uh, Liverpool, the mm. demise of Liverpool, who currently find themselves in the... In the relegation places, which, uh, okay, all jokes aside, it is sad to see a club like Liverpool in the relegation places. It is, but well, they'll get the joy of a relegation battle, which I prefer every year to a Champions League chase anyway with West Ham. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just bizarre to see them down there. Everton are struggling as well, aren't they? So those two old foes being a place apart from each other... um, yeah, I mean, it looks like they might be sorting stuff out off the pitch anyway. Well, in principle, it seems like a deal's been agreed with uh, the owner of uh, the Boston Red Sox. That's um, much better, isn't it? Well, yeah. Get I mean, the Yanks out. There is a bit of a sort of you know, <laughs> out the frying pan into the fire feel about this. In that, I mean, will the, will the Liverpool sort of like uh, demonstrators have to change their balance now to Yanks in or just <laughs> different Yanks? Yeah. In, you know. Um, so it looks like, in principle, it's been done. Um, the issue, or the stumbling block, was the fact that there was a difference in valuation between Hicks and Gillette and what these guys were willing to pay. Um, but obviously, Hicks and Gillette are running out of time for that because it, the, the deadline's approaching at which they're going to default on the loans to the Royal Bank of Scotland, and at that point, they'll cease having a say in it. So um, so I think that I, I would imagine that this deal will, will be done pretty quickly. Um, and then we, you know, let's hope... Um, that their uh, their second American experience is uh, is better than their first. Mm. Um, the final one we just want to talk about quickly was uh, was what you'd probably say it was, was a shock decision. Um, and we'll talk about whether we applaud it or not. Which was uh, Bert van Marwijk, uh, the Dutch coach, um, dropped Nigel De Jong from the squad as a result of his uh, his tackle that broke uh, Hatim Ben Arfa's leg at the weekend. 
Um, which is strange, you know, a, a national team coach dropping a player for something that's happened at club level. Can't think of another example. And to be particularly, you know, if you're De Jong, you'd probably feel a little bit because the re- he didn't get sent off. He didn't even get a foul against him. Um, mm. But let's discuss this, Trev. You know, should, personally, I think we should be you know, applauding Van Marwijk for taking this stance because I think all too often coaches are quick to forgive players on their own side. Uh, you know, people like Wenger, especially and Ferguson, are especially guilty of this. They never seem to see anything that their own players do, um, and I think this is a is an admirable stance. Yeah, um, interesting. It's obviously the same Nigel De Jong that put his foot through Alonso's yeah. chest. Xabi Alonso still locating the sixth stud that's somewhere between his third and fourth <laughs> rib at the moment. Um, so I don't know if, if perhaps the Dutch manager had words with him already about this. You know, I, I, it doesn't feel like this is the first time that he's. This has come out of nowhere. He might have spoken to him about, you know, the way he's playing his game, and he might have said, "Look, if you carry on doing it, I'm going to drop you." But it's so rare. I can't think of another occasion when it's happened. And normally they could do whatever they want in club because the national team was like, "No, I'm only interested in what he's doing." Yeah. In the national set. Maybe he was looking to drop him anyway, and he wanted to try out something different. Yeah, well, it's not the first time that he's. he's- I mean, he broke someone's leg last year, and, and obviously the World Cup final, and also apparently there's been issues uh, with friend, in friendly matches against Japan and Paraguay. Um, but you know, we also saw Carl Henry's tackle, if you can call it that, I'd probably more call it assault on Gomez from Wigan. Yeah. And you'd say that the only thing that saved Gomez from a broken leg was the fact that he was airborne. Yeah. You know, had his leg been planted, and you know, and Carl Henry is horizontal with both feet off the floor and I, you know I think it seems to be I think the game now seems to be at such a pace and played at such a pace that there seem to be certain players and it tends not to be the most skillful players let's be honest that have to play the game on the cusp of being out of control of their body or being in control of their body yeah and it's so dangerous when you are split second timing whether you're going to collect the ball or the man and I think we're seeing the dangers of that with some pretty bad injuries this season already yeah. I don't think Carl Henry should be in the national you team know, I mean, what, <laughs> what do you think the answer is Chip? Uh, I mean, do, we, do we need to change the rules do we need to look at making you know let's say leaving the ground completely to make a tackle do we need to make that a booking offence well they did it with the tackle from behind didn't they the, yeah. that was a problem and it, it got you know a good amount of airtime when they stopped that they're probably either going to make an example of someone the next person who goes to someone they'll you know give them an eight band suspension or something or they'll bring in a new rule yeah I'd like I mean, to see a new rule both. I mean, I, think, I think these guys should both be penalised you know longer mm. than the suspension for Carl Henry and De Jong should be retrospectively penalised because they can because hmm. the referee didn't give a decision yeah, so, I mean in the A-League you get a two match ban for winning a penalty yeah you know <laughs> but only if you win it yeah but I think I think the key thing here is that you know effectively if you throw yourself at someone and you are not no longer in con- in contact with the ground you cannot change the direction that you're travelling in yeah and so effectively you're turning yourself into a 12 yeah, 11, 12 stone missile mm. that if you connect with someone's leg that's planted on the ground, there's only one thing that's going to happen, you know, and I think we need to, we definitely need to um, to start cutting this out. So uh, I think, I agree, I think probably the first stage, mid-season, I would like to see all associations get tough with retrospective bands. Uh, and then I think you prob- we probably do need to look at uh, making it, uh, you know, an obligatory yellow card. Because the, the danger is, is that the, the 
people plead their innocence by saying I got the ball but just because you got the ball or you touched the ball first doesn't mean it wasn't reckless and dangerous no you can get the ball first and still break someone's leg yeah you know and I think the fact is that the moment you leave the ground completely you're no longer in control and whether you, you might end up getting the ball but you're still not in control of your actions and I think that should that should be a yellow card now definitely anyway ran over uh, quick break going get coffee we'll be back after this to what we're doing next, Trev? Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill. Well, yeah, cool. Yeah, you got a Tim Cahill interview. As we talk, I haven't spoken to him. I'm literally going to... Just waiting for the call. So. I'm going to shoot off afterwards and, and meet him in person, actually. Oh, you meet yeah, him in person? Yeah, meet him in person to do a chat for the podcast. Um, so all going well. That's coming up next. So the wonders of modern production, Simon, our producer, will be magically able to insert an interview that Trev hasn't done yet. Yep. into the next segment and then we'll be back to preview uh, Melbourne victory but also soccer is against Paraguay join us after the break visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia a real football shopping experience or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road Dremoyne or simply call them on 1300 4 goals to find out what's new in the football world Back to 442 Insider. Hi Tim, welcome to the 442 Insider podcast. Um, good to be back in Oz again? Always good to be back. Um, it's beautiful. It's nice because um, you know, we don't get to come back often. So uh, you know, it's, it's always good because you get to um, see the fans and obviously my, my, my family. Yep, um, you're obviously here for the Paraguay friendly. Um, I noticed your knees up on a cushion at the minute. What sort of chance are you giving yourself of playing Saturday? You're not very observative, are you? It's the wrong knee. Is it? Why are you sitting like that then? Just comfortable? Yes, yeah, nothing different, isn't it? I've got my knee up, <laughs> my wrong knee up, and it's just comfortable, isn't it? Okay, fair enough. So how is the knee, the bad one? This knee's fine. This one's fine, yeah. It's um, my which, my bad one. Mm. Yes. Yeah, thing is, is, is trying to manage it. Sometimes you get injuries, sometimes you don't. One week it's the knee, next week it's the back, next week it's the calf. So... Um, you know, I don't try to dramatise any injuries too much because I'm up fit and playing and I think that's the, the, the main thing. Um, I don't think there's been a time in the last few years where you don't have a niggle or knock when you go into games. Mm, sure, so you're fairly confident of playing some part? Well, I, I hope so. It's one of them ones that's a friendly and i um, got to make sure that, that I'm 100% fit and sort of, um, to, to go into such an important game. This squad is quite a, an A-League player friendly squad you've got six guys in there um, what did you make of, of their inclusion and how have those guys settled into the squad it's fantastic it's good for us it's good for the players and good for the A-League I think you know development of football in Australia is coming on and these players um, get a chance to play for the national team and you know a few of them have been around before and um, they're back again and you know it's, it's, it's all part of their development and ours and trying to get used to, to them playing in the team but this is you know a massive point in their career and I think that for them it's a big stage and it's probably something they'll be very proud of. Mm. So, I mean, another name that seems to be cropping up in the squad a lot more post-World Cup is Scott McDonald. I mean, how do you think he's been going? Are you pleased to see him in the squad? Fantastic. Great player. Always been a great player. He was unlucky not to make the World Cup squad before, but the good thing is, is um, you know, he's fighting fit and he's, he's, he's doing well. And for us in training, he's been sharp. And, you know, Scott is a great player. And the good thing is, I know that he's, he, you know, what he's capable of and... Um, it's one of them ones that it's, it's always good to have him in the squad. 
You've had a little bit more time under the new coach Holger now. What's been your further impression of him, and how do you think he's going to have you playing? No, excellent. He's very attacking minded. He, he he gets his points across, and he's a great bloke. So uh, for us, um, tactically and the way the way we're training has been very positive, and you know the, the results that we've had has been been great. So hopefully we can continue that. Sure. I mean, Paraguay, the opposition on Saturday night, um, they certainly had their moments in South Africa. What sort of a test do you think they'll provide? They're a footballing team, and obviously they definitely had their moments in the last World Cup, but it's a massive game. It's it's very, very difficult. They're technically gifted and can keep the ball really well and, um, you know, come in here to to really give us a hard game. So I'm expecting um, a difficult game. Sure. I mean... On to domestic matters in the Premiership briefly. Um, it's not been a great start for Evan. Why do you think that might be? Well, we've been, been unlucky, you know. I think some of the games that we've played, we've, we've dominated the possession, dominated the play, had loads of crosses and not finished. And um, It happens in football, but it's the way you come through it. I think to, to, to turn the corner before we got here, we had a great win against Birmingham. And the positives is that you know we've got a lot of great footballers and sometimes it doesn't click early on and... You know, it's starting to click now and we've got a, a massive derby to go back to. Sure. What was the difference against Birmingham, do you think? Mate, it's scoring goals. They scored a known goal and I was lucky enough to score in the end. But <coughs> you can knock on the door as much as you want. If it doesn't hit the back of the net, then you're not going to get the points. Sure. I mean, it's a bit of a reoccurring problem, Evan, isn't it? That starting slowly and then almost hitting Champions League form for the, the back half of the season. I mean, can you provide an explanation for that? No, mate. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not a rocket scientist because we've got a great great team great lads great manager and uh, fantastic fans and it's not through the one I'm trying and if um, you know if you look at a lot of the games we've played and we've been so unlucky and I suppose you see some of the results for some of the the, the big teams it's you know you see West Brom being beating Arsenal and things like that it's just uh, the results are all over the place so um, it's 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 hard to comprehend but um, hopefully we turn the corner yeah, I mean, on the upside for Everton fans, Liverpool aren't doing great. I mean, they're, they're below you and in the relegation zone, but you meet them at home next Sunday. You personally normally fare quite well against Liverpool. What are you expecting from that tie? It's a derby, mate, so it's absolutely massive. And for the fans and for us, it's got so much riding on it because of um, the positions we're, we're both in. So uh, I expect a, a very fiery competition, but I also expect for, for us to try and um, and get the three points. Do you think it's got any added spice that both of you are down there? Mate, there's never a game. Never a game there's no added spice for some reason or not, but definitely it, it definitely plays a part. Sure. I mean, I know you've been asked this a few times, but have we got any sort of further details on the chances of you playing in the Asian Cup? No. One thing is, is you know, we've got to concentrate on this weekend, let alone what's happening in the Asia Cup. Um, and obviously Everton. I think the biggest thing for me is just uh, to stay consistent on the pitch and then try and stay fit as well and make sure that come the Asia Cup um, we can have a more definitive answer. Mm. Um, do you think Everton's form is going to make any difference? I mean, for example, if, if you're not going well in January, you're not going to have much of a chance of being released. Is that a fair comment? I, I try not to focus on that. I try and focus on the positives is that you know we won on the weekend and now we can put a run together, so hopefully we won't be in that position. Mm. Um, and finally, we're chatting to you today through Optus. Could you sort of talk us through your thoughts on the small-sided game? I think this is where we've all started as footballers. I think um, you know, small-sided games is, is fantastic, especially for Optus, because of the involvement of kids being interactive, for the fact that they can play with their friends, they can get loads of touches of the ball, and obviously um, having fun. You know, also the, the announcement of that uh, we've got the small-sided football awards as well, especially for the kids. 
um, is exciting because they can get recognised as well for, for their achievements, um, whether they scored the best goal or whether they're the best and fairest. And I think um, you know, not only as a professional footballer do I get rewarded, I think it, it's a great touch for these kids to to um, to have that feeling as well. So um, the initiative's there for the kids, and you know, still to this day. For Everton and for the Socceroos, we play small-sided games, and you know it's a really good initi initiative by Optus that um, you know that we can give something back to the community and keep kids fit and, and enjoying themselves. Excellent. Thanks for speaking to the podcast today, Tim. Thank you. It's time to celebrate the rebirth of the playmaker. We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mesut Ozil, the standout players at the World Cup. We look at the 16 greatest playmakers of all time and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions. Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA 11. We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl and look at the Major League Soccer lessons that could save the A-League. Plus, we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 442 on sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. And welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now, Trev has just done his best uh, Back to the Future. He's just been away interviewing. Tim Cahill this yeah. afternoon. Went very he's, well. He's now come back to the morning. And <laughs> I'm we're going to uh, preview the two big games that are going on this weekend. One club, one national. So kicking off on Friday night, uh, we touched on it earlier, looking like a 30,000 sellout at Amy Park at the Bubble Dome for the first Melbourne derby. Um, Sporting Bet have got it. Melbourne Heart, $2.90. Melbourne Victory, $2.35. And the draw, three thirty. Can't Trev, split it, basically. Can they, see it? Really? Yeah, it's a toss of coin, isn't it, really? Uh, I think that's just about right. It's pretty hard to predict. Heart coming off the back of a 4-0 defeat, is that right? Um, yeah. because yeah, they, they had a break last round. They so. both had a week off, so you'd probably say it's time. You know, it's given a, I certainly saw an interview with uh, Simon Colossum and Kevin Musket on Fox Sports FC, and they both were sort of saying that, that that delayed week came at the right time for them. Yeah, um, you know, Musket especially is coming back from an ankle injury, and you know, just a, a week extra to get rid of those little niggles. Everyone's definitely been... back then. Yeah, oh. <laughs> God, he'd could be get up tasty. He, we, we I think he could get tasty. Um, um, in terms of result, making a prediction, um, I do think it'll be a draw. Actually, really? Yeah, I think both teams would be very, very determined not to lose that first one, and they'll end up being a draw. No, I've got a sneaky feeling that victory will nick it. I just yeah, think I they've got that. Be. I think they've got that big game experience in the A-League and they're, they're, they're used to playing in front of the bigger crowds they'll have massive support you know it mm. would be just like a home game for them uh, and I'd probably tip Musket to step up and score probably a penalty I think well, he's not a bad bet he's not normally a bad bet for first goal scorers yeah. is he Cause if, you know, and if you can get a defender who's a penalty taker and comes up at corners so yeah um, both sides you know sort of mid, mid to lower table uh, victory currently sort of in fifth and so mid table uh, on 11 points Melbourne Heart 8 points um, in 8th from 8 games you know both sides sort of really need to put a little run together don't they 2 or 3 wins gets them right back in it yeah, um, yeah they're at a tipping point aren't they yeah you know and also I suppose you'd probably say that both teams are going to go for it because it's bragging rights first derby so I think there'll be a winner right yeah uh, Saturday night sees the Socceroos at the SFS take on Paraguay um Australia surprisingly favourites two dollars twenty-five. Uh, Paraguay three bucks and the draw three dollars ten on Sporting Bet. Which, We're okay at home though. Which I must admit, yeah, but it still surprised me because we've got a few, you know, a few players out. You know, 
Mm. Lucas Neal's definitely out. Cahill's doubtful. Yeah. Um, you know, and Paraguay, <laughs> you know, very tasty sides. They showed in the World Cup, you know, they can play a bit. Um, how do you see it going? I mean, who, who do we think is going to get the opportunity to, to state the case this weekend? I suppose, again, it feels like we say this every time, but it is just about right. Who's going to play at the back? Because yeah. we were saying it's probably not the best-looking defence on paper in the squad. Yeah. Now I've lost the captain. Yeah. Um, I suppose. So who, who steps up for you? Who's who's, who's well, going to be the defensive two? I'd normally say Spranovic, but he's not in the squad, is he? Yeah. In terms of who I think he'll play, he might give uh, McCain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he, he might get a go at the back, but that's a real concern, I think. Um, you know, moving forward and for the Paraguay game. Because they've sent over a reasonable team, haven't they, Paraguay? Yeah, oh yeah. You yeah. know, um, Santa Cruz in there? Yeah, yeah, he's in there, he's definitely playing. Uh, <laughs> if, he, if he does play, he could cause us a lot of trouble. <laughs> All right, and up front, uh, Trev, uh, sorry, Kev was out at training yesterday, yeah. and I was following his tweets, and he was saying that um, that they were that he was using Kennedy and McDonald in tandem up front so no I'm, reason why that can't work no, so I can't I'd believe it doesn't that that's probably going to be the two that you go with if Cahill's not going to start and maybe Cahill on yeah. on the bench maybe if, if, if he comes through the next couple of days unscathed maybe 15-20 minute cameo at the end I think that's probably all he would have been allowed yeah. considering Everton's current plight um, yeah I think those two need to get as many games together as possible they've both I mean Josh Kennedy when we spoke to him for the mag said there's no reason why me and McDonald wouldn't work, and he's and Kennedy's still he's right. scoring goals in Japan, ticking over in Japan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, centre mid, you know, would you think that um, it's a big game? I'd say for Carl Valeri. I thought he he had a poor couple of games by his standards in against uh, Switzerland and Poland. So he'll be looking to um, to sort of get back to the form that he showed in the World Cup. Yep. Um, any of the A League boys you think will maybe get a chance? Um, I, th- I think Brosk might get. Something off the bench. Yeah. You know, he's the sort of player that you'd want to try out in, in that environment. So, yeah, I reckon he, he might get sort of 15 minutes to maybe McDonald will play the first 75 and Brosk will come on. So, yeah, he, the, the player I'd probably most like to see. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week to give you a wrap up of, uh, of both those games. But I've got written on my sheet now shameless plug for the magazine. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, oh it's well. I wasn't really in charge. I've been away all month. I've been here. Uh, Taken easy. Yeah, the new issue um, was out yesterday. Um, it's our fifth oh, birthday. It's corker. So hot, you're going to need oven gloves. <laughs> it's difficult to turn the pages. Um, it's our fifth birthday. Five years. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> and 61 issues. Who'd have thought it, eh? No, no. 60 more than many thought. Um, yeah, Harry Kiel's the guest editor. Um, so he, he's sort of taken over and direction of a lot of the features and there's all sorts in there about Harry and Tommy Orr and Michael Bridges I enjoyed the Michael Bridges interview he sort of stitched up Harry a little bit of a few stories in there and of course the FFA inside the bid yeah they let us uh, let us in a little bit big oh, in, well in there yeah we got uh, interviews we had time with uh, with Ben Buckley with Stuart Taggart who's the, the man sort of behind the scenes on the logistical side of the bid uh, Rod Allen, who heads up all the media there, and also the the big man himself, Mr. Lowy. We uh, 
We had an audience with him in his office at Hang Westfield it. Towers, which was uh, very, very pleasant. Hanging out in what was described as the small part of his floor, wasn't it? But was yeah. <laughs> fairly sizable office. Um, and the new section is worth mentioning as well. Yeah, anyone that plays the game or coaches the game and is interested in uh, in playing better or getting the best out of their players needs to check out this new section, which is uh, some hints and tips from the stars of the game, um, both from a, from a playing and a coaching and a nutrition and conditioning perspective. Uh, we're actually going to be launching a, a new section of the website to, called Performance as well uh, to sort of complement that. So that will be launching in the next two weeks. Um, so plenty going on. Yeah, I mean, the final mentions for for probably my pick of the features from the issue would be Harry's Blueprint. Yeah, um, it's made a few headlines. It's, it's ruffled a few feathers, um, and it's definitely worth a read because it's it's interesting to get you know his views on direction of every part. You know, the media, youth development, the Socceroos, everything he goes into detail on, and he he, he provides a you know certainly a, a starting point for a discussion. Excellent. All right, well, shameless plug over. Um, and the podcast's over for this week. We're yep. off to get manicured and pedicured and fluffed up for uh, for tonight's Australian Football Awards and hope that the 442 table uh, behaves itself. Um, I'm sure we will. Uh, so we'll be back next week to, uh, to wrap up everything that went on this weekend and preview uh, A-League getting back to full action with round 10. Um, so wherever you are, enjoy your football and we'll catch you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.